Right. Yep. Yo. There we go. All right. All right. So sorry about the delay. Um, welcome to Chris Talks. Uh, so I'm here with Young Table Tennis, currently a dad, a comedian, a blog owner, I would say, and a music reviewer, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I. <laughs> so we're gonna talk about just things that you do, and like how would you help like others, inspire others, everything like that, and like what helped you do what you do. So, one of the first things I want to ask: How is it being a dad? Oh man, um, I think being a being a dad is is a lot of different things. Uh, um personally like at the beginning like I knew like when I was younger like I I felt like I was one of those people that didn't want to have children I felt like I wanted to be like a bachelor like I just wanted to be like the cool uncle forever but I think the moment like I had like like my my son it was like a whole new like different like world and experience like um a lot of people who don't have kids or like or we're like me that didn't want to have kids. They'll tell you like, oh, when you have kids, you, you know, you might hinder your your life experiences and stuff like that. But I feel like since I've become a father, I've gotten a whole like new outlook on life and plans for like new experiences and stuff. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's just been like a, it's been like a trip. Like it's been tough. It's been annoying. It's been, but it's been like the greatest thing that's probably happened to me so far. Okay, because yeah. I think I remember seeing you post this, and I thought it was like the funniest thing ever. I think you wrote like a birthday card to like your parents, and you were like, "You guys are the real MVPs because drugs are fun." That I oh yeah fucking um yeah I was like uh to my mom oh uh, uh, like just something like that I was like oh like thank you for being like the real MVPs because you know. Uh, and not doing drugs because drugs are really, really fun. And <laughs> I was like, thank you for not giving me like a terrible childhood or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, but yeah, like I, just stuff like that. Like, I hope that one day, like my son can write like funny or like smart type of comments towards me. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like that. That's pretty much been my thing. Like every year, like instead of writing like something like, oh, yeah, I love you. This, that, and the third. I just write a joke and I just give them a joke every year. Something I find funny and that they can share like with their friends or put on Facebook or something like that. Mm -hmm. I I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Nah, I I thought it was hilarious. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Any any advice you want to give on to anyone about being a dad, like, or any advice on just in general about parenting or anything like that? Ah, yeah. Um, with parenting comes a lot of sacrifices, and I think people who are going to have kids or about to have kids or thinking about kids, they need to realize that at a certain point when this person comes into the world, the, their priority is no longer just them. It's now you have to take care of somebody. So it's this is going to be your job 24-7, you know, 365. You don't really much have a choice of anything else um so people really have to prepare for that um also you can have all the money in the world you can give your child 
everything, all these experiences, but the one thing your child needs is love and attention. And if you can give your child, if you can't give your child anything else, that's what your child is probably going to remember more than anything else. Like, it's dope that you can go and buy him, a, buy him or her a cool jacket or put them in, like, great clothes and buy them all the toys and all this stuff. Like, But time and attention is probably the number one thing your kid needs, you know. Like, just make sure that you're there for a lot of those moments because those are going to be the ones that stick with you and that's going to stick with the child, you know, forever. So, and there's no real, there's no real right, right way or wrong way to, to parent, you know, minus, you know, punching a kid in the, in the throat. But like, <laughs> it's like, but just know, like, um, a lot of the stuff that you've learned from your parents, take what you learn from them and, apply a softer hand to the to the child that you're having or the child that you have because a lot of the stuff that our parents were taught no longer work the same way that it will work like that worked with us is not going to work the same way with your kids so just think of it like you want to make it easier for your child instead of making it like don't don't put your own personal experiences on your child so like stuff like oh yeah I had to work extremely hard to do this and extremely hard to do that. Teach your child hard work and determination and the idea of wins and losses early, but don't try to stack the deck against them to make them like realize that you at one point did something really, really tough. So they also have to do that too. You want to make it as easy as possible for your kid to succeed, you know, and whatever it takes, again, time and attention is like the best thing that you can give your child. Now, now that's honestly great because it's like uh, that actually gave me goosebumps. <laughs> but it, I forgot who who had told me this, but it's pretty much like your parents did something for you to make your life easier, and then you're supposed to do that for like the next generation, and like so forth and so forth. So yeah. like, as people grow up or like kids grow up, like they're supposed to like it's supposed to be lesser of a burden to teach your kids on like how to deal with life and what to do in life. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, there's this show that used to come on, like maybe like, maybe like five, six years ago called like God, um, God, Bob and the devil. And it was like this animated show was like on the Dell swim. And there's this like analogy where like the main character, Bob, his father dies and his father was like a terrible person, but God explains to him that even though he was a terrible person, his father was a lot worse than what his dad, like his dad was. His grandfather was way worse than what he was. So think of it like everyone is standing in a line from generation to generation, like, and they're punching someone in the arm. And every generation, all you can do is make sure that that punch is a little bit softer for the next, you know. For the next generation for the next person so eventually when your turn to pretty much tell them to do something it's not like get your ass off the couch and do something it's more like all right so this is what i think you should do this is how i think you should approach it you know mm -hmm. it's, it's just a lot like i feel like people our age and the people after us are going to be the smartest people in the world you have all this technology all this information out there we don't have to parent the same as our parents. Like our parents, for, mo for most of us, our parents did a pretty good or great job, you know? Yeah. But 
we can do better. So when you have children, you or you you already have children, you want to go and you want to talk about your experiences and you want to teach and stuff. Make sure that you realize that you have a lot more ways to actually teach your child than I'm gonna punch you in the face if you're not doing what I want you to do, or I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Like I know me personally, um, I'm a lot more open to talking to my kid about what he's doing wrong than the like the old like yo you keep doing that I'm just gonna pop you in the mouth where it worked for like it worked for me because I was like when I was younger I was afraid of my parents I was like yo if I do anything my mom's gonna kick my ass my pops gonna like gonna drop kick me but now I feel like my son he's more like all right cool like I'd rather listen to you than have you come and like threaten me I think it works a lot easier but again it's to each his own you know, I'm not saying don't discipline your kids, but also, you know, you don't got to stop the kid out to get the get the point across. Yeah, like, no, we're, totally. like we're all that. <laughs> uh, there's better ways of figuring out stuff now. That I think that's the dope thing about it. All right. Nah, I can definitely. Do that. I mean, I don't have any kids. Uh, I do plan on getting kids before I'm 35. <laughs> ah, okay, that's a that's a good age to do it. Do, do it when you're older. Make sure. I always tell people who don't have kids, think of all the places you want to go. And I'm not just talking about like vacations and, you know, stuff like that. Think about like stuff like going to the grocery store. And I was like, now think about it with a kid who is crying over something and you have no idea what it is. If you are ready to deal with that, you're ready to have a kid. If you can say, yeah, I don't mind going to this place or that place and having somebody else I have to look after and take care of then you're ready to have a child. If you're not at that point, don't have children yet. You can wait. Like, make sure you get all the stuff that you want to do out of the way. So then when you finally decide to have kids, you can say, I had these experiences. Now I'm ready to go and build on a new chapter of experiences with someone else. Yeah? Nah. Yeah, I can totally understand that. What made you pick the age 35? Is that just, like, your cutoff? Or... Uh, this is going to sound weird. Like, I thought by when I was 25, I'll be like, I'll have like a wife and kids. Yeah, I think all <laughs> of us thought that. I was like, I completely overshot that. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna have a wife, kids. I was like, I just got a kid and a wife, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I thought that, and then I was just like, you know what? I have like a lot more things I want to get done, and other things I want to do in my life yeah. that. Like, I'm not ready to have a kid yet. And maybe, like, later on in life, like, I do want to have a kid. But right now, it's just, like, focus on the things that I want to do in life and the things that I want out of life instead of, like, focusing on the things that I'm supposed to do like everybody else is doing. Yeah, don't don't look at it. I always give people this advice, too. Don't look at anybody else's success. Um, or what they're doing as a means of where you need to be at in life. A lot of people do that. Like, people think that you're supposed to be married by 25. You're supposed to find your career by 25 or by 30 or by this stage or that age. And it's like, yo, just run your race. Don't don't try to rush something that's not there yet. Because then you'll end up being in a place that you don't want to be because you were trying to be Mr. or Mrs. Me Too. Like, oh, yeah, I have a wife and kids, or I have a husband kids or I have a house, I have a car, I have this or that. Like I have friends now who like who like, oh I I wanna buy a BMW and I'm just like, okay, like 
I took the train today. (laughs) (laughs) I like my monthly Metro card. You want to buy a BMW? I'm happy for you. I'm glad you're happy for me. As long as we get to the same place on time, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I I, I don't want to run anybody else's race. I don't want to put myself into mental or financial debt to keep up with everybody else used to be like that i'd spend all my money on stuff that really didn't matter to keep up with the who and who's and i'm like the who and who's don't really care about a lot of the stuff that you're doing they just want to make sure that they have it before you so everybody can talk about it exactly like um there's this thing that i started doing and i've been doing it for about let's say three no two months it's Mm -hmm. called you know minimalism yeah so like I've been trying to do that and I've been getting rid of a lot of things and maybe it's just like for me personally like when I was younger like in high school whatever I didn't really like I wasn't like the freshest kid or anything like that like everybody always had like the newest J's and like now when I'm older I can afford to buy the newest J's but I'm just like well why do I need the newest J's yeah. it's like stuff like that yeah like I feel like Cause I I've been known to I, like I have a lot of I had a lot of things or I had like a lot of stuff, but a lot of those things and stuff don't really define like I guess me as a person. It's nice to look at, it's nice to talk about, but it's not something that I'm like I need to have or I, oh I like I I figured out priorities. Like it took me a while, but when I think not even just having a kid, realizing that, you know, I'd rather spend my last $250 on something else that might be important than going out to buy a pair of sneakers that I'm going to wear and run into the ground at this point. Like, I, I've i realized that stupid stuff that I've gotten or bought, like, I, like the infrared Yeezys, like the black and red ones, I've ran them into the ground, and they're like, oh, those sneakers cost so much. And I was like, they were a gift, one, and two. I feel like shoes are for wearing. So like I'll play <laughs> soccer in Jordans and people will be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to ruin the sneaker anyway. So like, wherever it comes from, I'm, it, it doesn't really matter. Like it's dope to have them. It's dope to talk about the experience, how I got them or if I had to stand online or this, or that, or if I talk to my friend and we all go decide to stand online and get a pair of sneakers. But now I'm just like, they're just shoes. They look nice. I'm going to wear them a couple times. And then once the new ones come out, I'm going to ruin these sneakers doing something, doing something fun. Nah, I totally get it. Because I have a whole bunch of pairs and it's just like, they're just dirty. And I'm just like, I can't sell these because I already ruined them. Yeah. I was like, I can't, can't do anything with them. You might as well just wear them and enjoy them for what they are. They're they're shoes. (laughs) Yeah. I totally agree with that. But this is one thing I'm trying to do is going to sound really crazy. Like, like most people feel like when I tell them this, they feel like I'm crazy about it. Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to do is like minimalize my closet and only wear the things that make me feel good. So like, for example, like uh, if I got like a Christmas gift or something like a sweater that I didn't really like, that's just hanging in my closet. Mm-hmm. Like I would either donate it or sell it or get rid of it. But then, like, if I have something else that I bought and I would just only wear, like, my favorite clothes and I would just buy multiples of, like, my favorite clothes and just wear that for the rest of my life. I do that, too. I look, I, um, <laughs> my friend, she says, she's like, oh, you're like a cartoon character. At a certain point, I know what outfit you're going to wear and how you're going to pair them together. 
And I'm like, I just like being comfortable. <laughs> I, I enjoy wearing joggers and and uh, a hoodie and some sneakers. Like I don't, I was like, I don't always have to go all out and make sure I have on this or that. Like I'm just like I wear clothes that make me happy, like <laughs> that make me feel comfortable and make me look presentable when I'm outside. But I don't know. <laughs> that no, but that is that is like a really good approach. To it. Like, if I can dress like like the same way every day, just in different colors, I'd be okay with that. Because that's that's one thing I'm trying to do, and it's just hard because it's like, well, I like this, but am I really gonna wear it? Yeah, I feel like we all get to a certain point when we go in our closet and we have a bunch of clothes, and we go, I have nothing to wear. And it's like, nah, if you actually looked in this closet and figured out what you actually like compared to what you don't, you have a lot to wear. You're just thinking about how does this look with this or is these mm-hmm. people going to be dressed like that? Like, nah, I'm not even really thinking about that anymore. I'm off that. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just ready for like, I, I'm ready to just look good while I'm outside and ready to look comfortable. I'm ready to feel comfortable and feel good with what I'm wearing more than like, I'm going to squeeze into these jeans and this shirt and I have to make sure it says Supreme. I'm, I'm done with <laughs> and all this stuff. I, I have like multiple friends who have like closets full of stuff and they go, I don't know what to wear every day. And I'm just like, pick a shirt, my guy. Like you can't go wrong with any of these shirts. And they're just like, no, nah, I don't, I don't feel this way about this shirt today. I'm like, just just wear it. Just wear it. It all looks good. Just put something on. Let's go. Nah, I totally get that. <laughs> uh, I feel like we got a little off track with that, but <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Uh, let's talk about you being a stand-up comedian. Like, how did you start up doing it? Um, so my stand-up comedy career kind of started when I was like really young. So again we went to school together like so when I was really young I was always like telling jokes and stuff when I got to middle school I always told jokes it was a point where like we were in seventh grade and it was like one table where everybody used to sit at and they used to just cut ass on each other and I would be at the table um had this vice principal named Mr. Sweeney uh, no, nah, I definitely remember. <laughs> yeah, like he used to always like come over there and try to crack jokes. And I remember one day, like I cracked jokes on him and I got him. He was like, "Yo, you need to do something with that. You actually need to like make. You actually need to put it together and actually make jokes." So I was just like, oh, "I guess, like I guess that's a thing. Like I guess your mama jokes can get you somewhere." Um, then like as I got older, um, and I got into high school, it was uh. I had this global teacher named Mr. Rosen who told me about this audition for this movie. Um, I went, I auditioned for the movie and they was like, so what can you do? And I ended up like telling them jokes, like just jokes that I had like already told other people and they thought it was like hilarious. And I almost got the part. The only reason why I didn't get the part is because it was like, your Spanish isn't good enough and we don't have enough time to teach you enough Spanish in order to like fit the role so I was like I was like one language away from getting a movie role it wasn't like a big movie but it was it was a movie you know 
Yeah. But they still called, they called me in to be an extra and stuff like that. And I got to meet some of the cast and the directors. And like I became cool with the directors. So they was just like, yo, you need to do comedy. You need to do comedy. I would always have people when I was in high school telling me, yo, Eric, you're mad funny. You need to go and tell jokes. You need to do this. You need to do that. So when I got to college, one day I was with like a couple friends and it was like, yo, you want to do an open mic night? And I'm like, sure. Like, let's see what happens. So I went, I started doing open mic nights here and there whenever I had time um, in between like work and school and basketball and all this other stuff. And then I like kind of fell off of it because I'm like real, I want to focus on school and sports and work and stuff like that. Then when I hit like 21, um, I bumped into this comedian named Jeff Lawrence um, who was like promoting like these shows on like 42nd Street trying to get people to come to the club. Pretty much he was like a what we call a barker, which are the people that you see like on um, 42nd or 34th who's like, you want to come to a comedy show? You want to come mm-hmm. to a comedy show? We're really funny with this, with that. And they're trying to sell you on coming to, coming to the club. So um, I went to the club one night. Uh, I saw a show and I was just like instantly like, I was like, this is something I feel like I need to do. Like, I feel like I need to put like all of my time and attention into this. And I've always been a fan of stand-up comedy, like Martin, Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, who's my favorite stand-up comedian of all time. Um, and I was just like, yo, like comedy, at any point, comedy can make somebody really, really happy. You know, it makes you think, it makes you cry, it makes you do all these different things. But at the end of the day, I can tell a joke that will make a crowd either really love me, really hate me, but at the end of the day, they're gonna leave with a smile on their face because they got to they got to hear something that they thought was funny. So like, and then after that, um, I pretty much was working under this thing called Laughing Buddha, which is like um, it's pretty much like this network of comedians ran by Jeff Lawrence. Uh, and so I was performing in places like uh, New York Comedy Club, The Stand. Um, it's a couple in like Brooklyn that I got to perform at. Um, like, yeah, and I've just been going ever since. I've gotten to do a couple shows out of state. Um, just, just going here and there, just doing what I felt like was best. Like, comedy has always been a thing that just made me happy. Yeah. At every point. Um, even when I was like, if I'm depressed, I'm sad. Like, as long as I can tell somebody else a joke and make their day a little bit better, I think that personally makes me feel a lot better. Um, I think anybody who does anything creative, uh, when you get to show somebody your work or share your work with somebody and they like it and they enjoy it, uh, it makes you, it makes you happy, you know, because you, you get to show somebody all the hard work you got to put into it. Um, now, I definitely agree with that because if I don't know if you've ever watched someone like talk about something that they're really passionate about, yeah. and, like, you can see the fire and like you can hear like their tone of voice of like how excited they are and like how proud they are of the like their their content or whatever they're making or whatever they're doing. Yeah, because you get to give all of yourself into this one thing. So it's like whatever you want to do, whatever you feel your passion is, and you're throwing all yourself into it and you're talking about it, it makes people want to, like, be a part of it even more. Uh, another thing about comedy, uh, I got 
a lot of the reason I got like stage presence and stuff is because I did a lot of public speaking before I got into like the comedy game. So I got to do like public speaking when I was like high school. I got to, um, I actually taught uh, a lesson at Columbia University um, through one of my, my physics teacher, Christopher Emden. If he hears this, shout outs to him. Uh, when I got to college, I got to do a lot of like public speaking events, public, um, like a lot of communication stuff, just getting to talk to people and getting to know people. Another great thing about comedy, like the more, once people hear you at comedy, they always expect and they want to talk to you. They want to know more about it. And you get to not only, it teaches you how to sell yourself to people and sell your brand to people. A lot of people don't understand that. That's what comedy is a lot of too, selling your brand to people. So I, I've, lucky, I've been lucky enough to go through all of those like uh, places to then end up on the stage opening for, you know, somebody who might be a superstar or somebody who's an up and coming like you, but has a lot more Twitter followers or something like that. Mm -hmm. But like, as long as I get to get on stage and I can give you five, seven, 15, even 30 minutes of comedy, um, it's, it's dope. Like every single time, like I, I have like a lot of, uh, just really dope comedy experiences. Uh, and I, I like, I, I love talking about it. I love sharing them with other people. Um, some of them can't talk about because of like, you know, legal stuff or people that you've dealt with. Um, but some of them, like you, you really, really get to just like tell jokes about it and you get to, you really get to share your experiences with people. Uh, like I, I get to share a lot of my personal life with people when I, when I tell jokes and I don't know, I feel like that brings me and those people closer together. Cause when I get on stage, I always say it's not me up there telling you jokes. It's us having a conversation. Mm. Yeah, so it's like, Oh yeah. Like, let me tell you about this thing. And then you laugh and I'll go, I'll go and I'll pick somebody in the crowd. And it's like, they'll think I'm focusing just on them, but the whole crowd feels like it's, like me talking to one person and everyone listening in. And I've like, I've always been able to do that with whatever group of people I've been able to speak to. So I've been able to give a little bit of this, a little bit of that to, you know, everybody. And I think that's been like a really dope learning experience. And this pretty much something that you can take away in life with even regular conversation and social settings. You know what I mean? Nah, I totally get it. Uh, so can we expect to see more of like, would you be doing like skits? Like when you're not doing like stand-up comedy, would you be writing like skits for someone else? Or would you like act out certain skits or anything like that? Yeah, um, my my plans for, it was mostly for this year. I probably like drop some stuff like, like maybe like towards the tail end of the year just to start the, the cook up. So to build into 2019, um, I've written like a lot of jokes for other people. Um, I've written skits and I've been working on this show that like I've been working on this TV show for like four years like I've been trying to like pen the script um, for this show that I've been like just had an idea of pretty much like loosely based on my life mm -hmm. and that's what I've been like working on like I've, I'll go I'll write maybe 10 pages and then I'll stop and I'll stop thinking about it then stuff will happen I'll go back and write another 10 pages and I'll do that but my goal is to finally get all of this, get a script together, get 
and actually be able to shoot a pilot or something, uh, a quick skit or a quick miniseries, something. Excuse me. So I, I can eventually, I don't want to sell it to anybody, but I want it to be where I can go and I can put this someplace where maybe like a Netflix or like YouTube or something, somebody will want to buy it. And if they don't want to buy it, I'll shoot it on my own. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get the actors and all that and I'll describe and I'll just do it by myself. And then eventually I'll be able to go back and say, well, this is what I have so far. And I think, you know, you can go and you can add something to this, mostly money wise, not so yeah. much like content wise, but you know, no, I totally get it. Yeah, that's my goal. Like, I was like, I want to work in TV. Uh, I love stand-up comedy, but stand-up comedy is something that you have to do for a really long time before you get paid for it. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing stand-up comedy since I was 20, and I've been paid maybe like four or five times in eight years. Like, uh, where it was in like, oh, here's $40. Thank you for coming out. Like, where okay. I've gotten, like, a significant, like, oh, here's a check for, again, this is comedy money. You're drawing people to a club. So a check for $100 to somebody who's just started in comedy is, like, a big deal. So when you see stuff like, oh, here's a check for $500 or here's a check for writing a joke or writing someone's set, um, like, that's dope. But I was like, eventually I want to get into TV and just broaden. I want to get into acting. I want to get into... Like a lot of stuff. Like I wanted, I mostly want to get into acting and comedy writing. Or I want to one day, Lord forbid, you know, Lord, Lord hoping I end up somewhere. Like I can audition for SNL. Like I don't, if I don't get on SNL, I'm fine with that. But if I can get an audition with SNL, or at least like a writing camp with people from um, from SNL, I'm mm-hmm. fine with that. You know that that's my my big goals and, and plans. Like I want to be in movies. I want to be in television. Um, I want to be in like the media. I want to do interviews with people. Like that's that's my goal for like the after stand up comedy. Like I'm gonna do stand up comedy forever. However long people want to hear me talk about my life or just things that I see or how I see things or how I envision things. I'm I'm there for it, and if I don't get paid a lot of money for it, I'm fine with that. But eventually, I wanted I want to be on TV. I want to be on on Netflix. I want to be on Fox Five. I want to be on all these places that people go, and they're like, "Oh yeah, did you see the episode of this and that?" Like, I want to be able to do that stuff with with people. And I was just like, "I do. all I need right now is the time and the funding." Those are the only the big things that I'm like really, really thinking about or really stressing about. It's like those are the things that I know that I need. But the jokes and all that, like it's here. Like I know in terms of like skits and stuff, those are coming because I feel like those are easy to write, easy to shoot, edit, and mm-hmm. get out there. But I'm yeah. like, I really want to do like complex stuff. I want to do stuff like actual, like I want to build movies, I want to build shows from the ground up. Um, do sketch shows. I want to do stuff like that. Like I, in my earlier years when I first started, like we, I would shoot like stuff here and there, and it would get like good, um, like good views and stuff like that. But it wouldn't be anything that sticks. You know what I mean? I want to make work that sticks to people. You can have a great joke or a great moment in the show, but if you have a show that can last for 
four seasons or get a hundred episodes or you you tell a joke that's constantly told over and over and over to the point where it's just annoying at this point. Like <laughs> I want to make I want to make moments like that and jokes like that. So like those are my plans for like right now. So dates uh, uh, that people can come out and see me perform. Uh, it's going to be like a lot of small events, open mic nights, and then there's going to be a couple of uh, like showcase shows just so people can come and see me with the bigger acts, you know, with me with people who are prominent in New York City or in the Tri-State area who are coming out and trying to, you know, make it here or people who already have a following. Like, I want to be on stage with those people. So, yeah, that, those are my 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 plans for for this year and going forward. So we can expect to see more... A lot more. A okay. lot more content. <laughs> like, I've been slacking just because I've, I've been... I, <laughs> and it's it's weird when I say this. Um, I've been really happy as of late. So I haven't been writing anything because I'm... Whenever I, I feel like, and I always tell people this, and some people, they go, oh, like, that's sad. And other people, they go, like, oh, I get it. Um, like when I was like a, a lot more like sad and depressed, I would write a lot more mm-hmm. because it would make me happy. And I would go and I would tell these jokes and see other people get happy and I would get happy and then I'll go and write more jokes. But because I'm a lot more happier in my personal life, it's harder for me to write jokes. So now I've finally gotten back to the point where I'm like, I'm happy, but also I'm still funny and like I'm, I, my pen still works. I feel like I'm a, a rapper like a battle rapper, like my, I can still spit bars and all that. Like I mm-hmm. got to be able to show people like at every point of like where I'm at, I can still tell jokes. I can still be funny. My delivery is still on point. Um, like it's going to be a lot more content, like a lot more content. And I can't wait to just get to show people like rem- show people and remind people of how funny I am and that, like, this is more than just a, a hobby or a side thing or, oh, yeah, you were funny before, but are you still funny now type of thing? Like, I really want to show people. And I want to show myself that I can still go out there and I can I can follow anybody. I can go on before anybody. And I'm the most memorable, per- memorable person on that stage or on that night that you'll see. Like, that, that's my goal. So, like, again, those dates are coming. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, Young Table Tennis, you're going to see them. You follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, too. Like, you'll see, like, dates start to come up. And if you want to come and buy a ticket, usually it's hella cheap. I, I don't try to break people's pockets because I understand that a lot of people have expendable income to spend $20 on a show. So I make sure that I, all the shows I do, or where people can come and they they don't have to spend a lot of money. They might spend like $10 or $5 or sometimes even free. You know, you come out, you see a free night of comedy. And all you have to do is just show up and be there because they want to pack the clubs and hope that you buy a drink. Like small stuff. Nah, I totally understand that because, you know, sometimes it'd be hard like to be able to go support your friends because you got to pay bills and you got to pay rent and you got to do all these other things. Facts. That, that, I think that's the that's the biggest issue with a lot of like up and coming artists. People up and coming artists think I'm putting all my time, attention, 
passion and money into this and nobody wants to pay for it, but they they don't remember at a certain point when they were a fan of somebody who was an up and comer and they couldn't go to a show or buy merch or buy this or or do that or spend this amount of money. So I feel like artists from our side, we need to tell people like, all right, cool. Like, all right, I'm going to make it as easy for you as possible. Like my first couple of comedy sets were, I put them up on YouTube and I was still performing those sets like at different clubs. And like people, I already seen them, but people still thought it was funny when they came out and they saw it. And it was like, well, why would you tell these jokes if they're already out there? And it's like, because I have a lot more, one. And two, I don't. I want to make it easier for people who can't afford to come out, people who have to go to work at the times when a comedy show would usually be going on, people who have families and stuff like that. Like, I want to be able to give you all of this. So when I do, when that time does come, when I'm like, yo, can you pay $40 for a ticket? You're already emotionally invested in my work. Mm. Uh, so I, I take, like, the chance to wrap up like way or path to to doing stuff like if i give you this for free i don't need you to go and say buy an album or buy a buy a comedy dvd or buy one of my t-shirts when i have t-shirts or buy a sweater i need you when i book a show that's when i want you to come out so if you can you can't afford it i'll see you there if you can't eventually you'll see this online you know now it's more you might, I might perform at a show, let's say in March, and you won't see those jokes until June. And but it's like, well, now I have to stagger content, you know, just so I can go and I can continue telling it. But before, I was just like, yo, I give it all away for free. You can have this, like, mm-hmm. just have something to laugh at. Like maybe you need this more than I need it, you know. Like I, I would love for, for you to come out and say, oh, yeah, the reason I came to this club is Eric, and then they'll be like, all right, cool, let's give him more paid spots, but if you can't, that's fine. Like, I I love doing comedy. I love telling jokes, so if it's, if it's for free for a little bit longer, I'm okay with that. Um, mm-hmm. As long as people can, I can get that feedback from people, and I can I can hear people say, oh, yeah, you did a great job, or um, I thank you for sending me this. I, I love this. I love that. I'd rather that than just give me your money. You know, nah, I totally get it. That's that's really cool. I like that. I like that a lot, though. Uh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you want to say a joke or anything? Or <laughs> all right, cool. So, um, I had this joke, and it's funny. I told this joke, uh, and it became a meme, and a really famous comedian told this on his Netflix special. Not going to say who, but uh, the first one is, uh, damn, I, I, what was it? Oh, uh, women are talking about, uh, it was like the Beyonce and Jay-Z drunken love thing when it was like, oh, um, she'll ride it like a surfboard, but her bed is on the floor. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like it became a meme and it became a joke and somebody else thought somebody else came up with it. And this is other joke that got like a lot of attention. Um so my friends would always tell me there's no perfect woman, but there's a perfect woman, married woman. Uh, I need a woman who's really ready to lose her, ready to lose something important, like her husband, mm-hmm. her wife, kids, maybe religion. I don't know, but 
what I do know is I need something. I need someone who has a lot more to lose than me. And a lot of people thought that was funny. And, and I gave people that joke. Um, it's better if you see it. Like live. Stage. Yeah, on stage. Like, I'll, I'll throw it up on Instagram again so people can see it again. Um, and it's funny because now that joke uh, actually became like a poem that I can tell to I told to people uh, at like at different like open mic nights and stuff like that for like with poetry and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, like again, a lot of this stuff is online. Like I'm I'm going to give people more jokes and more a lot more free stuff. Uh, but yeah, that that was just like two of them. Like I feel like they're they're funnier with the delivery on stage. But a, a lot of my jokes now come from this basic conversation. So, like, you'll hear, like, a lot of jokes in this one, like, the further we get into this. All right. <laughs> uh, does anime or comics have any influence on your comedy? Uh, most definitely. Um, I, always, <laughs> I think the easiest joke is when you see, like, subs and dubs. Um like how people talk, like when the when they when they dub over the the language and the mouth is still moving, but it was like three things being said. I think those jokes are always funny. Anime and comics feel like oh, just always been like hella inspiring to me, just like from being a child. Like I I remember like, and I think a lot of people say this watching DBZ, and that's just like the base that they go to, but like a lot of the funny stuff that I've seen in like anime and comics just makes me want to tell more jokes like uh comics mostly like i've always wanted to write for deadpool Mm -hmm. uh my my dream was to at one point uh i was Reynolds to like deadpool and i was like out here trying to like find any way to get on to like a writing staff or find somebody that wrote on that movie or a friend who had a that knew somebody that knew somebody i could write um, so I could write jokes for this and it was like nothing like everybody was like no it's like two people writing this movie and it is impossible to get on there and I was just like damn but like if I, if I had the chance I would go and I would write I would write um like a comic of like Deadpool or something like if I can start something a whole new narrative for Deadpool just like a lot of the jokes and just quirkiness from him I would just write that um, and then anime I just feel like anime has just always been like hella inspiring on everything that I've done. Like, it's just, it teaches you life lessons and stuff. Like, never give up. Uh, always put your best foot forward. You know, nothing's ever really done. Stuff like that. Like, I, I've just always loved that. And I've always admired the the writing style and the, the animation and the drawing style of it. Like, my favorite anime, and I, it's not like a huge anime, but it's like longest running ones, is Case Closed. Oh my god! <laughs> I love Case Closed. One because it makes me feel like when I watch it, it makes me feel like a kid watching a Saturday morning cartoon. And two is just like the quirkiness and just like the, it, it's like watching like you're watching this kid who who's a grown man in a kid's body leading this detective around to like solve cases, and I find it like so hilarious and so funny and. I don't know. Like I, I feel like that. I feel like it inspires other things. So like hip hop, I feel like it inspires like, uh, like a, in terms of like, t-shirt designs and 
covers and stuff like that. Like if somebody or like even when I review music and I hear like a DBZ line or I hear like a not not anime or comics, but like I hear like a Street Fighter line or something like that or anything that has to deal with like nerd culture. Mm-hmm. I feel like I go crazy for it because it's just like it's an obscure reference that everyone really like everyone knows at some point. And I think that's just like dope. I love, I love, love anime. Um, I love like Yu Yu Hakusho. Um, I love uh, Slam Dunk. Like it, mine is just like all over the place. One Piece. Um, again, DBZ. I feel like is a hood favorite. I feel like everybody and everybody pop- watches that. <laughs> yeah, everyone has watched DBZ and people. Uh, now the big thing is like My Hero Academia. Where that's like the new, to to me, I feel like it's a new DBZ where it's accepted by everybody and everybody kind of fucks with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I I love shows like that and I love just talking about it. Like I love where and like it's a lot of stuff that I don't know. Or like people can come and tell me, oh yeah, have you ever seen this show? Have you ever seen that show? Have you ever? What about this? What about that? I feel like those conversations are a lot better than a lot of the conversations that we have on like a regular day basis. Like I'd rather talk about that than love hip hop. Like all yeah. the way. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like I, I don't like reality TV too much. And I mm-hmm. I'd rather people talk about stuff that's not popular amongst, you know, the mainstream than talk about mainstream popular popular stuff that has no substance and that doesn't give me anything after after I watch it. But you know what's like the funny thought about that is because like if you talk to like somebody who's like heavy into anime, they'll say, Oh, like My Hero Academia is the pop of like anime. Yeah. Everybody knows that. And then they'll downplay that and be like, You gotta watch the underground anime. Yeah. One that nobody watches. Yeah, it's like um it's the the weirdest thing is anime, like anime fans are like hella elitists. And I was like, you would never think that because at the end of the day, we're all talking about cartoons. And it's like, nah, but I take this serious. And it's like, all right, cool. I take a lot of things serious, but you don't see me like sitting there arguing about it. Like I take cheeseburgers serious, but if you go and get a McDonald's cheeseburger, I'm not going to come and slap it out your hand. I'm like, have you ever been to Five Guys, bitch? Like, no, no. Like, eat whatever you like. Like, whatever you feel is your level of anime or your level of like, you know, your your level of knowing in this, always want to learn more. I feel like the same way with hip hop, always want to learn more. But if it's just like the base level and that's what you like at the moment, maybe you'll find something else. Maybe this will connect to something else. Like, um, damn, I'm trying to remember this. This girl I was dating, um, she put me onto this show called Angel Beats. And when, oh, I, first, when I first started, <laughs> I was like, this shit gonna be trash. And then when I got to the end, it was like six episodes. And I was like, how is this only six episodes? Where is the second season? And she's like, there is no second season. That's it. You got the entire story. And I was like, the fuck is this? Like, like, like it made me angry how good that show was in such a small period of time. And like, I tell everybody whenever people like start talking about anime, I'm like, have you ever watched Angel Beats? You never watch this? You need to go watch this right now. Like, this is going to be the greatest thing you've ever seen. And then somebody will be like, oh, let me tell you about this anime that came out 30 years ago that only mm-hmm. seven people have seen and is only on VHS. Watch this. And I'm just like, but again, have you watched Angel Beats? <laughs> <laughs> and people are like, what? This is... 
this is nothing. I'm just like, all right, cool, what, whatever. Man, nah, in anime, comics, uh, cartoons in general, I feel like that is effect. Like that affects me, and it inspires me so much. Like I, I just love talking about it. Same thing with video games. I love talking about video games. I can talk about video games all day. See, like, this is what's happened to me with video games. Uh, I think I I bought Overwatch used, and I bought it for like twenty bucks. Ever yeah. since I bought it, I'm just like, if no game is giving me free DLCs, free characters, free maps, and you're not giving me like updates, I'm not playing it. I'm not paying sixty dollars for no game, no nothing. If you're not giving me this, I'm not buying it. And like, I don't know what it is. Is like I couldn't buy Spider Man for the PS4. Like recently, I just bought a Switch. Yeah. And, like the one game I bought was like Octopath, and that game is fantastic. And I can't believe, like, like I still can't believe to myself, like I spent sixty dollars on a game that doesn't give me like free DLC or anything like that. And I don't know what it is, but I feel like I got spoiled with Overwatch. Yo, I completely agree. And you know what? What else it is with DLC? It's it's weird because it's like sometimes it, that's new content that they've created after the game. And then it's games like Destiny, which oh, I spent $200 on <laughs> with DLC, the base game, all this shit. And it was just the the map flipped. And I was just like, I spent over $200 to go to a new area that was already in the game that was just flipped, really, that was just reversed. And it was like, instead of going from front to back, you go from back to front now. And the enemy cap goes up. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, you guys just stole all my money. And then Destiny 2 came out. And oh, Destiny 2 was worse than Destiny 1. I was <laughs> like, yo, what is... Like, I can't believe y'all got me not once, but twice. And I was just like, I'm never, ever spending this amount of money on, like, DLC. Like, even when I play, like, NBA 2K, I was like, I will, I will be the worst person at the game. I will get online and I will, like, be the worst person on the court because I refuse to spend $50 after I've already paid $60 for a game to buy a VC to make my player better. Like, if I can't play it and automatically get better at it to the point where I can win, I don't want it. <laughs> I, I can't justify... Like, I, there's no justification for me saying I need to spend more money. There's some games who do it, like, that they do it right. Like, they actually give you brand new content that you can play even with like the Fortnite model like I'm not a huge fan of Fortnite yeah but I'll play Fortnite with like with friends here and there but I'm a huge fan of PUBG and like I'll play PUBG all the time I spent $14 on PUBG and as a game preview and it was like here's the full game and here's all the maps that we promised you during it but anybody that buys this game after the preview they're gonna have to pay full price and I was like alright I'm cool with that like I'm good with that, but I refuse to spend a shitload of money on something I've already spent a shitload of money on. It's redundant. Like I feel like a lot of game developers do that shit, and I hate it now. Nah, I I, I hate it too. Like I remember when Destiny One first came out, and all the trailers for it, and I was like, "Yo, this is the game of my life. Like this is yeah. what I've been waiting for." And I bought the white PS4. I bought the season pass. I bought everything, and I was just so upset. When they came out with what is it? I think like the bundle that you pay yeah. forty bucks and you get the season pass, and I was just like, "Come on, 
Yeah, I I was like that with um DC Universe Online also. I bought the game when it was sixty when it was fifty dollars for the PS3, and then two weeks later it became free to play, and I got nothing for buying the game other than the disc. I was like, okay, cool. So what am I? I can't. You can't trade this in because now it has no value, and no one's gonna play this. But I was like, I had already spent money on the game, buying the DLC or the DLC for all this extra stuff, to then have somebody just say it's free to play now, and that fifty dollars that you spent on this game, you could have just bought all the DLC for it, and not had to think about it. And I'm just like. I can't do this anymore. I remember when games came out and they were done. Mm -hmm. And I was okay with that. Like, it's certain games that I can go back to, like, um, like from, like, I can go play Def Jam, Fight for New York, or I can go play, um, like, the earlier God of Wars or, or stuff like that. When those games came out, or Uncharted, those games came out, those games felt completed. The games yeah. now, they don't feel completed. Like, I feel like I buy a game and it's like, we have DLC coming out. And I'm, the first thing I ask is, was this already supposed to be on the disc or is this all new? And if it was already, if it was supposed to be on the disc or on the downloadable, like when you first buy it, it's fine. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to purchase the game. I think the only game that I'll probably do that for that's coming out this year is like Red Dead Redemption 2. Because I was like a huge fan of the first one, and I know that they rock star seems other than GTA Online, which if you have the money and time for that, like God bless you. <laughs> but <laughs> Red Dead Redemption, like the first one, I played that game like obsessively. Like I played that game to the point where I was like top twenty in the world and like mm -hmm. team death match. And I was like, I remember how much fun I had with that game, so I'm going to get part two. But like a lot of other games, I'm like, I can deal without the DLC. I don't I don't need it. Nah, I can totally agree with that. Uh, I mean, we got a little off topic, but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me, a lot of me ranting at the stuff I don't like and stuff I like. But right. Nah, it's fine, it's fine. Because like it, it's a conversation. So yeah. uh let's talk about your I would would you consider it a blog or is it like it's its own website? All right, so uh, we are culture was the original website. Um, it started with me, um, one of my ex girlfriends, and a lot of my friends. Uh, we started it off as just my my vision for it was to give Bronx based writers and content creators a platform to push their stuff because I feel like a lot of the stuff and it was mostly like my this my my main thing was I want to be bigger than complex or I want to be able to compete with complex because a lot of the stuff that I saw that they were writing at the time or that they were they were pretty much putting out I felt like wasn't up to par to the place that they were in. Like, they were in New York, but they wouldn't talk about New York artists. Yeah. Or they would talk about, you, you'll get one New York artist on a list of 50 people that you should look out for. And it's like, just so it's only one. So out of all of New York City, there's one artist that you can, that you can find in all of New York City that's popping. Copy. You know what? You don't have to make this. I'll go and I'll make it. So 
my idea, my original vision for the site was I was going to take that, give a bunch of writers, a bunch of photographers, a bunch of videographers, pretty much a space which they can come and they can put their content up and they can go and they can pretty much write the articles that they wanted to write, talk about the artists they wanted to talk about. And I, it gave me a chance to write about shows that I was going to, going reviewing music that people hadn't heard that they should have heard like you know there's a lot of a lot of great artists especially from the bronx who who've been grinding for years and it it seems like it's not working but they have the music to back it up and the only reason why it's not working is because they don't have the money to send to a writer or they don't have a hookup with somebody else or or this or whatever all the political bullshit that goes on with the music industry Mm -hmm. so we started off. We started off strong. Um, it was me and about twenty other people. Then, once people realized that at the beginning they weren't going to get paid, and everybody was okay with that, but then when real life starts to creep up on you, and you're sitting here writing the article, but you have a paper due, or you're writing a, or you're shooting something, but you also have to go and shoot something for your actual job, or this or that, it makes it a lot harder for people to keep their motivation if they know that it's not instant gratification, it's not instant finances. So a lot of people like dropped from it. So my thing was, well, this is my vision, so I'm just going to take it and I'm just going to go with it and I'll just go with it solo dolo. So I did that for about six months and I got burnt out completely. Like I was just like, I can't do it anymore. Like I can't maintain a website, maintain an Instagram, maintain a Twitter maintain this, YouTube, all this stuff by myself. Like, I was like, I need people. So we took a, a long break from it, and I a lot of stuff that I learned from that was pretty much make sure that everyone can keep the same motivation as you. You can't mm-hmm. get mad at people who have real lives and have real jobs and stuff like that because they have to support their families and themselves, you know, just like you have to. And they might not have the same time or commitment that you have. So I, I was like, I was completely fine with that. But now it's more of just like, we work from just the Instagram. Uh, then we're going to, we're building another website. Um, we switch it to we're the culture. Um, and it's mostly just going to be me or whoever else I'm working with. Just focus on artists who pretty much up and coming artists who haven't gotten that shot who haven't gotten that promotion because I feel like a lot of up and coming artists from New York city, especially they see other people and they think that's the model that they're supposed to go, but they don't learn everything else about the business. They don't know how to market themselves. They don't know about branding. They don't know about promotion. They don't know how to get people to their shows, to their content, you know, pretty much just spread it out. Like they don't know any of that stuff. So it would be people like me who go, all right, so this is what you need to do. This is the type of articles we're going to run from you. This is the type of ads you need to put up. This is how you promote your mixtape, your EP, your LP, your album. And we'll do that part for you. You don't have to pay us, but all we ask from you is, like, interview and content, you know? So uh, one of the things that I know that we're coming back strong with, and we have a couple of artists who I've worked with before, um, we had this thing called the Culture Killer Bar Series where you would have an artist 
would come and they would freestyle, you know, 16, 32, 64, whatever. And that would be their thing. That would be like their tagline. That would be the thing that they, that people would lead to that would lead them to their music. And it was successful at the beginning. And I feel like since I'm bringing it back now, especially with a lot of eyes on New York City again with stuff like uh, like 6ix9ine and different challenges and stuff like that. I feel like mm-hmm. there's a place for like real hip hop and real music to like thrive again. So my plan is to just pretty much market and help these artists grow so I can go and I can grow my own brand. So eventually it's not like, oh yeah, I'm just trying to put you on or trying to do this or trying to compete with any other big website. I just want to build my own thing that makes people want to come to it. They want to hear it. They want to listen to this music. Uh, I pretty much I want to curate playlists because I've been doing that too. Just I'm I'm trying to give everybody all the content. So that's what we're the culture is going to be now, compared to what we were before. Because before we had everything. We had recipes. We had video game reviews. We had fashion. We had all this stuff. But now this is more focused strictly on the music and the culture that's happening in New York City. You know what I mean? So that that's what we're that's what we're working on now. Now, I definitely, I would, I would want to see more of it. That's definitely something I like. I'm telling you, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna now we're we're gonna push all the content that we have. You're gonna see stuff like around mid November, um, where you can go and you can find all this content. We're gonna start staggering it out. You're gonna see hopefully a new freestyle every week, every Wednesday, like we had it before. Every Wednesday, every Friday. Um, mm-hmm. We have enough submissions. You're going to see Wednesday, Friday. You're going to see more uh, music reviews from me, more album reviews, more show reviews, because that was like my thing. Like, I went to, at that point, I went to like maybe 25 shows that year. From yeah. Free shows all the way up to like big name artists to artists who like just popped off. Like, I was, I went to like the first Lil Dicky show in New York City. And I was like, I wrote about that, and he like saw it, and he like retweeted it, and was like, "Oh man, thank you!" Like, like that was like one of the big moments. Like, oh wow, yeah, like stuff like that. But it wasn't. I was like, I felt like it needed to be a lot more, and I'm like, just stuff like that. Because if you can go and you can say this artist is gonna pop or this person's gonna blow, and people go, "No, I don't really think so," and then you get. Uh, was it ex girlfriend or ex boyfriend, and you get Freaky Friday, and now. This dude has a four platinum songs and a platinum album, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. Like I've I've always felt like I've had an eye for for talent and for artists and photographers, like whatever. Like I can see talent, and I know how far it can be pushed, you know, and how and where it can go. So that's just always been my focus. Like I I really just want to make this website just very artist driven, and. Or like not just regular rappers and singers, but like dancers, photographers, videographers. Like I want to give everybody from New York and people from other places too, like a legit shot at getting their music out there. So I I like to think that I'm going to be taking all the risk financially promoting their stuff, ads on Facebook, on Twitter, stuff like that. I, I don't mind it if I really feel like your music is genuinely or you, whatever you're doing is genuinely good and can be 
that can get you to a, a higher place. All I ask for is that, like, if I ever need you for an interview or a drop or something, that you know, you can oblige to that. I don't, I don't really care about the money mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, there's websites who will charge you like fifty, sixty dollars, all the way up to like five hundred, a thousand dollars to promote your stuff to get you on the internet radio show. And I'm like, yo, we have all this technology now. I will, we can do a, a podcast over our phones. We can do an interview. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to necessarily go out there and, oh yeah, I got to go and put you into this place, and we're gonna play your music to the same five people that was listening before. Like I'm like now I can go and I can, my voice goes out to six hundred, seven hundred Instagram followers, and people come and they watch it and they do whatever they want with it. Mm. I I agree. Uh, I don't know. There's these people I do know who do this, and they're called TM3. Yeah. And pretty much one of I think two of them are DJ. They have a photographer, and they they also do interviews for like up and coming artists or artists that they work with or anything like that. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to take a look at that, but that's something I think you might be interested in, yeah. like, just to see. Yeah, send, send that through. Like, I definitely want to check out their work. Like, I, I, I want to see more of, like, what people think. I want to talk more hip-hop. I want to talk more music. Like, I, I feel like we need that right now. Well, I would say, let's talk about, like, Kanye, but we're going to save that for a different time. With it. <laughs> <laughs> Because, what is it? We're over an hour now. Yeah. Where, like, but this was great. Yo, thank you for having me on your, on your podcast. <laughs> well, I want to ask you one more question. One more question. I, uh, I... <laughs> because when I listened to your other, uh, when you were on a different podcast, yeah. uh, they talked about you losing weight. Yeah. How, how did you lose weight? What was, like, your commitment to it? Why did you do it? And how, like, what were the struggles of it? <laughs> All right, cool. So at one point, I because I and I, I blame this on myself. I just got extremely lazy. I got hurt like a couple times, and I just stopped going to the gym. So I shot up to three hundred and twenty-one pounds, and I was just like, "This, this ain't it, chief. Like, I can't do this shit. I can't do this fat shit forever." So, um, I was dating somebody who was kind of like fit so we were like playing all our meals together i would i started working at a place that had a gym attached to it so i would go to the gym every day and i was just my thing was i wasn't doing it for health reasons which with that it comes with that like you know you lose weight you become a more healthier person i didn't want to do that i did it for vanity reasons like my brother is getting married like i and my my other brother like they're both getting married next year it's like photos so i'm gonna work out all year to look make sure that i look better than them on their wedding day and, <laughs> and they're like what i'm like yeah like I, that the reason i go hard in the gym is to make sure that you know that i look good and it's like now it's more for vanity reasons the the struggles that i had during it it wasn't more like food or like uh, I, I couldn't stop eating i couldn't stop doing this like it was just more of like me wanting to get up and go out and walk and run and do this and do that. So the first thing I picked up on was running. So every day I would walk to work because I worked maybe like two and a half miles away from my house, um, from my house at the time. 
So I would walk there every day, and I would walk back. So I'm like, that's five miles. Cool. Then at a certain point, I was like, I wonder if I run this. Instead of me getting there at this time, can I get there in like 15 minutes? So I would go and I would jog. So I would run two and a half miles there, two and a half miles back home. Then when I left that job and I went to my next job, I have to walk to the train every day. I have to walk to the Metro North. That's one and a half, maybe maybe 1.7 miles away from my crib. So I would go and I would jog there and I would time myself every single day. So before, it would be like a 20-minute walk and like a 16-minute run. And I got that joint down to like an 11-minute run and like a 14-minute walk. And I was just like, that was like my goals. And I just kept setting goals and accolades for myself. Then it was just like I, I wanted to... I wanted to look good. I wanted to close it fit better and stuff like that. So like my motivation would be like I would go on I would go on like Instagram and I would like look at other people who I thought like were in good shape. And I'd be like, I want to look like that one day. And my biggest thing is I always tell people, by this time next year, I'm gonna look like The Rock. <laughs> like I was like, I wanna be wanna be mad brawling for no apparent reason. I wanna I wanna look uncomfortably brawling. <laughs> So I was like, that's what I would do. And I was just like, I would go, I would lift every day. And now I went from 321 pounds to 247 pounds. So my goal is 234, 234 pounds before I actually bulk up. So now I get to see other people who were like in my position where they were like, oh, I don't want to go outside. I don't want to work out. I don't want to do this. It's kind of just like a watch or whatever. People should just accept me for how I look and how I am or whatever. I was like, that ain't enough. Like, I feel like, and I always tell people this, I always feel like people are are more prone to listen to people that they find attractive. Mm-hmm. So I was like, if I, the shit I talk about now I, or the shit I talked about before I felt was important, but now because a prettier face is attached to it, now people are more prone to listen. So now it's like, I can be like, yo, Kanye is wild. And people be like, oh, we love Kanye. Now I'm like, Kanye is wild. And then people be like, yeah, that nigga is wild. And like, <laughs> tell me more about it. <laughs> like, pretty person. And I'm just like, all right, copy. Let me, let me tell you more about stuff. Like, that, that's mostly been my thing. Like, in most, I just want to look good. Um, I want to be here for a long time. So you, the best way you do it is remain healthy. Picking up healthy habits, because that's a lot of people think that weight loss is just uh working out it's healthy habits too um you have to drop stuff like you can't drink every day and like that was like one of my big things because i was like before i like i said this on instagram at one point i could drink a fucking lake under a bridge now i'm like i can barely drink and it's because all i do is work out and i don't have the same body weight to like block all of that out so it's just like I, I just want to make sure that I look good. People, people, when they see me from the outside looking in before they're talking to me, I'm more approachable because I look a certain way. And it's just more of like wanting to take care of yourself. So I eat right. I picked up healthy habits. I dropped the bad ones. I don't like smoke cigarettes or anything. I don't drink um, every single day. I just make sure that I get up out of bed. I do my push-ups, my sit-ups. I get to I'll do my walk or my run to work uh, or to the train, and then I walk from the train to work. I just make sure that I'm always doing something. I'm always active. So even if a day I can't hit the gym, if I can bust out 25 push-ups, 
in the morning and 25 at night or 20 per commercial, like, I'm fine with that. Like, it's just the small things. It's just flipping your mind over to that point where it's like, I can do shit. It's more than just me just bullshitting around, you know? Yeah, no, I totally get it. Yeah, that's uh, cool. Just work I at have, it. That's actually one of the things, like, I know good, like, eating habits, and I struggle with that so much because I just, I just can't keep up with it. Like, I remember at one point in my life, like, I used to drink, a, uh, I would try to drink a gallon of water every day, yeah. and the way how I would do it is I would set an alarm from 8 a.m., starting at 8 a.m., two hours until 10 p.m. at night, and I would, I would have to drink a bottle of water within those two hours. Yeah. Me, I, I just make sure I just drink, like, all the water possible. Like, I have, like, a, this workout bottle that measures how much, like, it, it says it on the side. Like, pretty much how much liquid you have in there. So, I was like, all right, I have to drink seven of these to equal up to, the like, my water weight or whatever, or like, to flush out what I ate earlier. So, I would just drink that every single day. Because at one point, and I always tell people this, at one point, I couldn't eat fruits or vegetables because when my body would reject them shits. Like, I was allergic to, like, a lot. I'm allergic to, like, raw apples and stuff like that. But, like, I didn't mm-hmm. know vegetables tasted good until, like, like the beginning of this year. No bullshit. I was like, I didn't oh eat vegetables. God. The most I ate was lettuce and tomatoes. But other than that, I was like, I'm not eating no fucking kale. That, that, one, that's a white person's vegetable. And two, it tastes like plastic. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm just like, yo, I want all that shit. Give me all the lettuce, the tomatoes, the kale, all that shit. I was like, I fucking eat oranges and shit. I was like, I didn't know that I didn't like. I was just assumed like, I I don't like this one thing, so I'm not gonna fuck with fruits. So like, fruits are disgusting. Now I'm just like, you know what? Let me eat these grapes real quick. Like, this is the shit. Like, you don't know as a person because if you're just used to just eating like bullshit. Bullshit is going to be the only thing that tastes good. Now, like, if I eat McDonald's, I eat McDonald's maybe, like, once a week. Like, just because I don't I don't want to cook or something. Yeah. And it just doesn't taste the same. Like, Big Macs don't taste as satisfying or as good as they once did compared to before when these were, like, the best thing ever. Or, like, cake and stuff like that. I was like, I can't eat this shit. Or, like, I'll drink soda, and I'll be like, oh, this is disgusting. Somebody else drink the rest of this. Because I was like, I can't. My body can't take it anymore. Like, now my body rejects, like, a lot of bad foods. Com- like, compared to before, when it was, like, fuck vegetables, fuck fruits. Like, <laughs> I don't fuck with, like, dairy products too much. It's just like, nah, now I can finally eat all that shit and all that healthy stuff. And it's like, this is way better than what I thought it would be, you know? Okay. Uh, nah, like <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna just end it here because I feel like if we continue talking, we're gonna last like another hour or so. Facts. We can always do a part two, though. Yes, we can. Yeah, no, definitely. We are definitely gonna do another part two. Before we end this, just give me three top creators that you like in general. All right. So, um. Creator was uh, uh, there's this group called the Nobodies that consists of like a collective of artists that are from the Bronx. Um, some of them are um, uh, B Star, James Scott, uh, Marley, 
um, Dom Stone, like it's a Jay Valera is like a, just this one big group of just artists who make really dope music. And like, I really love all their stuff. And whenever they drop stuff, I like promote it. And I'm just like, this is the stuff you need to hear. Like these artists come out with like projects all the time that people like, people are just starting to fuck with. Mm -hmm. Like their one, um, I love Caleb City on Instagram. I think he's fucking hilarious. I think yes. he's one of those people <laughs> who, like, if he wanted to be in movies, if he wanted to flip the switch and be, like, a superstar, he could. He can be, like, like Meet Your Mars. Like, I like a lot of the Instagram people, too. And um, I don't know. Like, a, a third one, in terms of, like, creative stuff, uh, I like, uh, let me see. Childish Gambino, no? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're mainstream, though. Like, that's the Childish Gambino, I feel like it's real easy. Like, I feel like Childish Gambino low key is running like music and entertainment and everything. Like, he's at that point where he can't miss anymore. Like, he came out with that Star Wars movie, and people were like, we don't really know about this, but we do love Childish Gambino. (laughs) And Atlanta is like the perfect show. Like, I feel like if that show wins best comedy every single year, I'd be fine with it because it is technically the best comedy on all of TV whenever it drops. Like, it's well-written. It has a lot of depth. Childish Gambino is pretty much like, that would be like a, you're you're pretty much throwing a bowling ball down the lane with the with the guards up. That's too easy of a choice. <laughs> uh, uh, Demetrius Harmon, he used to be known as Meet Your Mars. Um, mm-hmm. He's probably one of my favorite creators too just because he took a lot of his stuff that used to just be comedy and he turned it into stuff about himself and mental health and mental awareness and I feel like as I feel like young people like our generation and younger are finally talking about the things that our parents were always afraid to speak about or didn't want to address because that they felt like it made them weak or like this was only to like certain like cultural backgrounds like oh yeah like I, I think people like that Charlemagne the God is one of them because I feel like even though he has like his opinions are a little all over the place I feel like because he believes directly into himself and he can say things like I go to therapy every Friday at 3 p.m. more people more black people should go to more black and Hispanic people should go to therapy and should you know talk about their feelings and emotions and stuff like this I think that comes from a lot, like that comes from a very genuine place. And a lot of people wouldn't be able to say that, you know, and still feel like they're secure with this. And I think the last one, I just want to promote his music. And I just think he's an amazing artist. Amine is my yes. favorite rapper of this, <laughs> of this year. He is my favorite rapper. I feel like he cannot miss. I feel like uh, his last project, was amazing and I want everybody to go and listen to it from top to bottom like listen to it over and over I feel like that album just came out and it's helped me get through so much of like my own personal battles and it's made me question so much about myself so like if you definitely if you've ever heard in any of Amine songs other than like Caroline and um Wedding Crashes like yeah like Go and definitely listen to both of his albums, listening to Good For You and the one that just came out. Um, yeah, like those those are my like my favorite creative people right now at the moment. All right. Uh 
let's give everyone your social links where they can find you where they can see more of your content and everything like that got it so uh again my name is eric eric tyler hawkins on facebook you can find me at facebook.com backslash eric is history you can find me on instagram at young table tennis all one word um snapchat and twitter eric is dreams you can find me there um add me uh my inbox is always open um a lot of my comedy stuff is on youtube if you just type in eric tyler hawkins on youtube my um all my sets and stuff will pop up all the clips that i have will pop up you probably even see like an old video of me like telling jokes uh with one of like with my cousin eddie that got like a bunch of views and stuff like that like it's, it's all out there but again Young Table Tennis on Instagram is the easiest way to find me. You can see a lot of like the stuff that I do on a day-to-day basis is on Snapchat at Erica's Dreams. Um, if you want to hear my thoughts in 140 or 240 characters, whatever it is on Twitter, Erica's Dreams. So yeah, follow me on all <laughs> social medias. I'm really nice, very easy to talk to if you feel like you have a problem. This is always a big one. I, tell, I say this whenever I give out my social media links. You ever feel like you have a problem, you need somebody to talk to, you need somebody to reach out to, you feel like you don't have anybody, my inbox is always open, and I respond very quickly if I have the time to. Um, yeah, strangers, people I know, all that stuff. Like, hit me up. And you can find me, um, my actual uh, podcast link on here is Pothead Love. Uh, yeah, follow me on here. We're going to drop uh, more podcasts. We actually... Try to get, we're going to get Chris on my podcast too to talk about his photography very, very soon. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, you're going to hear like a bunch of just new stuff. Like, I have so much content ready, just come up and just show you guys. So, follow me on all those links and say hi. All right. Uh, I'm going to try something new. If you guys actually made it to the end of the podcast and enjoyed it, please tag us on Instagram or any of our social medias so that way we know that you enjoyed the podcast. Leave five stars on wherever you're listening to on this too. That's iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you're at, Google Play, wherever this is at, make sure you leave five stars and feedback. That's what matters. Content. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's send it off like that. (laughs) But thank you for having me on, bro. Nah, you're welcome, bro. Uh, All right, peace. peace.